Welcome to the Parenting Life Podcast. It's great to have you with us. Thanks for tuning in. This is our second episode. I'm joined on the line by my dad, Scott Taransky. I'm Josh Taransky, and together we're going to be answering your questions, your parenting questions. Dad, thanks for joining us. Hey, I'm glad to be with you. I love doing this because what we can do is we work with one person. Other people are listening to the same question, and they're listening to the answers, and it often applies to so many people. So I'm sure whoever's going to call in today as we talk to them, we're going to have answers that will help a lot of people, not just the caller. But I, I want to zero in on the caller and try to give the caller some specific solutions for that person's problem. So if you want to call in, you want to be a part of this, then, uh, then go to parentinglifepodcast.com and uh, fill out the form. Let us know. We'd love to get you connected here because I love to help parents and I love to help parents solve problems with their kids. Absolutely. We'd love to take your calls and help you out. Today on our show, we're going to be specifically talking about challenges that single parents face. Dad, you do a lot of ministry around the country. You've written books. And one of the things about your ministry is that you're very accommodating and make a great deal of application in your materials to blended families, single-parent families, non-traditional families. Um, talk a little bit about that. It's very true. I would suggest that today uh, most of the families that we deal with are families that are non-traditional families. But it's not just today. Even if we look in the Bible, we see non-traditional families. We see that Moses was raised in a non-traditional family. Daniel the last part of his teenage years was in a non-traditional family. Timothy was the primary impact that he had was his mother and his grandmother, even though we know he had a dad. So we've got Esther, who was raised by her uncle. There's a lot of non-traditional families in mentioned in the Bible, and God often uses those kids and the challenges they face to be significant leaders for his kingdom. So uh, I think that what we want to do is, is help parents know exactly what to do in order to work with their kids, whether they're single parents or blended families or grandparents raising kids. All of us face the same kind of challenges in some ways because we're all dealing with children. But single parents have some unique challenges, and we can address some of those today. Absolutely. You know, this is a real, there's a real hunger for um, answers in terms of, you know, how, how, how do I do, you know, be a parent that honors God in a setting where, you know, I don't have a spouse, you know, or I, 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 there's not that same sense of support. And I think some parents, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, but there, there can be a sense if you're a single parent that, man, you don't have, uh, the, the cards are stacked against you in a sense, and uh, you have many more challenges. How, how do you encourage people from the beginning, from the get-go, when, when somebody says, look, you know, I'm coming from a single-parent position or I'm parenting as a single parent, how do you encourage them? Well, first of all, we have to empathize and realize that the, the single parent is under tremendous challenges. They're trying to do all the—they're working. They've got things to do to manage the house. They've got all kinds of things going on besides parenting. Uh, and so there are tremendous challenges. But one of the things that I tell people is that a successful family isn't measured by two parents, two kids, a dog, and two cars in the garage. A successful family is one where— the uh, where a lot of good things are happening. Children are learning how to deal with emotions and conflict, that values are being passed on to the next generation. 
and that parents are taking time with their kids to pass that on and, and do what needs to happen. So that can happen in a single parent family. It just has some some difficult challenges that we can work on and overcome so that we can see some success. So a successful family uh, can look a lot different in one place than another. We just have to recognize that God can be at the center of that and drive that family to some really good things. Awesome. Well, we've got our first caller uh, on the line. Let's talk with Remy. She's calling from San Pedro, California. Remy, how are you doing? I'm great, thanks. Thanks for calling the show. How can we help you? Um, yes, I have a daughter that's 15, and her and my son that's 20, they get in arguments all the time, but then she gets angry and pushes him or tries to hit him, and he's smaller than she is, and he can hurt or she can hurt him. And sometimes it just gets, it gets hard to deal with that. Yeah, so you're talking about a 20-year-old hitting a 15-year-old. No, it's the opposite. It's oh, my daughter wow. that's 15 hitting my son that's 20. Wow. And he's smaller. She's a bigger one. Yeah. Wow, okay. So it sounds like, uh, and you're are you a single mom, Remy? Yes. Yes, I am. All right. So you've got a lot of things going on in your life, I'm sure, and you're trying to influence these two people, this 15-year-old daughter who sounds like uh, she has some real anger issues. She has a hard time dealing with her own emotions, and it sounds like the 20-year-old either provokes her intentionally or is irritating or something goes on between them. Would you, would you say that's the case? Yes, that's exactly the case. All right, so in the, is he intentionally um, uh, being annoying, or is he just uh, have some quirks that she becomes intense about? know what to say to press her button, but she does get really angry fast. Mm -hmm. All right. So let, so obviously she has a challenge going on, and then the 20-year-old, uh, it, it sounds like, um, does he lash back at her, or is she, is he tend to be, um, feel like more like the victim of her anger? He likes to take the victim Okay. All right. Uh, so I'm, I'm getting the picture of what's going on here. Let me suggest that, uh, I mean, you're working with two, you're working with uh, two people that are in, in the second stage of adolescence, which goes generally from 16 to, to 20. Maybe your 15-year-old is in that second stage. Maybe she's in the first stage of adolescence. Characterize, the first stage is characterized by uh, emotionally driven decision-making. So 15-year-olds are often... Um, whether 15, 13, 14, all of them, uh, in order to address the challenges, uh, they're, they're often respond emotionally. So when they respond emotionally to things, they have a hard time managing that. That's why I think that in a lot of cases, we must, with our 12 to 16-year-olds, uh, we must initiate with them in a way that's going to uh, exert more parental control. I think you're going to have to put some limits on your 15-year-old daughter. I, I do think I would start with the 20-year-old. I'd say, look, your your sister has some problems, and, and her, she has a real problem with anger, and I need your help to work on that. So I want you to be really careful about provoking her. I, I, and I think maybe sometimes you get a, a kick out of getting her to get angry. But I want you to know I am working with her to help her deal with her anger, and you – 
If you create a problem, that is counterproductive. You're, you're not being a peacemaker, then you're being a troublemaker, and that is a problem. I wish you would help me and work with me. So you're appealing to your 20-year-old, but I would suggest with your 15-year-old, you may be able to put a little more pressure on by saying, look, if you get upset and you are uh, lashing out at your brother or hitting him, then I am going to discipline you. So I, I would suggest one thing you want to do is use some firmness. The firmness may be something like I'm pulling your cell phone or you're not going to be going to the mall or, or you're going you're to have to do some extra work or something like that if you're able to do that with her. But that's not all we do. We want to talk to her and we want to get her thinking about going in the right direction. So part of what we're doing with her is we're saying, look, we need to, you, you've got a problem with anger, obviously. I want to help you with that. We don't have to allude to where this anger is coming from. Who knows? It may be coming from her past and some struggles that happened between uh, in her early childhood or something. We don't have to worry about that. She's got a problem right now with anger, and that anger is being mismanaged. If we have to go into her past, we will, but I'd prefer to just say, what are we going to do to allow God to take uh, control of this and help you to move forward? Because that anger is going to ruin your life if you don't take some action. So we're going to use firmness on the one hand. We're going to use visioning on the other hand to try to attract her to something better. And in the midst of that, we don't know exactly what's God's going to, how God's going to use this to help her change. We're also going to be praying for her, maybe even praying with her, that God will help her. But what you want to do is transfer responsibility to your 15-year-old by using words like this. Honey, you have a problem with anger. I can help you deal with your anger. I can coach you. Sometimes I get angry as a mom, too, uh, and maybe I even yell at you, but I'm trying to work on that. Let's work on this together. What can we do to move you in the right direction? Because what we want to do is bring some self-control into this girl's life so that she can manage her anger. The, Proverbs 29.11 says, a fool gives full vent to his anger, but a wise man keeps himself under control. Mm -hmm. So I want to help her develop that self-control either by firmness, certainly, but also by visioning. The two of those can often move her in the right direction. And if you practice that, I would encourage you, Remy, to, to start moving in a little bit in your comments and your, and your uh, time with her. If you could pull her apart separately, talk to her in a non-emotional time, I, I think you might see some significant change in her as she's moving toward adulthood. So you've got a big challenge on your hand, but I think that might give you some uh, guidance as you're trying to move forward with both of your kids. Right. That, that was great. Thank you so much. That's really going to help for you know, me to talk to him and her. I didn't think about really talking to him about it, but that was a great point. Thank you so much. Yeah. Good. Try it, and then let us know. Give us some feedback about how it went. We'd like to hear about it. I sure will. Thank you, and God bless you. Thank you, Remy, for Thank being you, a Remy, part of the show. Have a have a blessed day. Awesome. You know, um, Dad, as you're you're talking with with Remy and you're explaining to her just this idea of working with them separately. It sounded like that really struck a chord with her, by the way. But um, yeah. When you've got a 15-year-old, you're, you're talking about um, these different stages of adolescence. And, you know, yeah. my perception of a 15-year-old is that they have a great deal of a sense of independence and their ability to think on their own. And the influence that a parent has seems to be pretty limited the further you get into the teens. Uh, maybe, but I would suggest, though, that still at 15 years old, parents have significant impact on their children's lives. They want to go places. They're dependent. A 15 year old is dependent on a parent for driving them, giving them permission to go different places. I would su suggest that this mom still has a tremendous amount of influence here and can use that influence strategically. Uh, I think, though, that 12 to 16 year olds in the first stage of adolescence, the, the tendency for parents is to pull back and try to give these kids more independence. And if they can't manage it, 
then they're going to need some more parental control. So when a child's failing at something, whether they're failing in their emotions or failing at school, pulling back and letting kids learn from experience is rarely a good idea. It's best for parents to step in and do a better job and to be able to manage this and be able to work with them in a positive way. That's going to be the strongest way to move them forward. Okay, and you talked also about transferring responsibility and you talked about language that you would use in order to do that. Can you reiterate that point just one more time? Yeah, first of all, working with kids independently, I think, is strategic because the 15-year-old girl has a different form of selfishness than the 20-year-old boy. And she's dealing with a different form of selfishness in the boy. So the 15-year-old the daughter needs a plan that's appropriate for her. And we want her to know how to respond well to that particular situation. So uh, that's why we work with them independently. Also, if you work with them together, sometimes kids gang up on you. They partner with each other and, and they start... Um, it just is counterproductive. Yeah. So that would be the first thing I would suggest is that you want to separate the kids and work with them independently. What was the other question you asked me, Josh? Just about the language that you use in order to communicate mm -hmm. or the transfer yeah. of responsibility. Yeah, I think it's important that we, in a heart-based approach, as we're working with children, we want to transfer responsibility to kids. So the language that we use is important. So when we're giving instructions, we don't say, I need you to because this isn't about a parent's obligation. This is about the child's obligation. So rather we say you need to so that the child can move forward. In a, uh, when we have a child's having anger issues, we want to use words that help the child see that they have a problem. So I would suggest that we're not, we're not lashing out on the child, but we're saying something like, you know, I, I've got some ideas to help you with your anger problem. Yeah. That's transferring responsibility to the child. So the, the child's getting the message that, well, this is my problem. Mm. I need to be able to deal with this. And we want that, and that's really empowering for kids, by the way, because if they're victims, then they believe that the problem, the solution is everybody else's changing. But if the the child recognizes and realizes that they're they're in charge or they're responsible to a certain extent for their own problems, then they can start moving in the right direction because they're empowered to move forward. Awesome. Let's go to another call. Let's talk with Zoe, who's calling from Rancho Cucamonga, California. Zoe, thanks for calling the show today. How are you doing? Hey, you're welcome. Doing well. How are you? Good, good. Tell us a little bit about your, your situation. Um, well, it's kind of been solved, but I know that um, it'll, the question will be helpful for other families yeah. Yeah. with teens. Um, at this time, the kids are becoming more and more into music, and a lot of the music, as I'm discovering... It has a lot of satanic messages and um, uh, and uh, and even the music videos. You know, they have a lot of satanic things in the background, uh, symbolisms and things. Mm -hmm. And um, instead of just telling them, you can't listen to this because it's satanic, where can we go to find other options of, uh, you know, maybe rap music? A lot of the teenage girls like uh, pop music. Um, and it's in both, you know? Yeah. So, how, how old are your kids, Zoe? Uh, my son is 11, and he's very into music. Oh, wow. That's great. That's, uh, so he's going to yeah. be a musician, maybe, or be tied in with music. Yeah, that's, that's an interesting question. Dad, what would, uh, what would you say? There's an influence. There's kind of a bigger principle at play here, too, in terms of just influencing your kids in the right direction. So, and, and Zoe, are you a single parent? I am. Wow, okay. Yeah, so it's even there's even more of a sense of you just it, it, it this burden falls upon your shoulders in in a, a big sense. Right. 
Dad, what would you say? And, so, well, another part well, of Zoe, it. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead, Zoe. What were you going to say? I was going to say that on the other side of it, I am a single parent, but um, he does see his father often, and his father is very into rap music and everything. So he's getting that side of it, and then he got to, mm. you know, interesting have my side of it. So that kind of makes it more of a challenge. Yep. Is, Zoe, is his dad a Christian? No. I mean, he would say that he was, but he's not. He's not living the life that has God as the Lord of his life. Okay. Correct. All right. So uh, you, this is really valuable. You're asking a great question. And, and often the question has to do that parents are asking has to do with what do I do when I'm trying to honor the Lord in my family, but the child goes and lives every other weekend and Thursday nights with his uh, with the other parent, and the other parent doesn't share the same values. How am I going to help my child understand what godliness is and make the right choices? That's a really good question that's being asked. Now, you're dealing with a particular piece of that with music, but it's more, as you know, it's more than just music. It's the way we choose friends. It's the, it's the kind of um, other entertainment that we choose, what kind of movies we watch, and so on. And you want your son to make wise choices, choices that are honoring God. And so how are we going to do that? That's a really good question. Now, I would suggest that one of the things you want to do is, is not just have rules in your family, but you want to talk about the convictions that are behind the rules. You, you have to realize every rule that you have in your home has a conviction behind it, or you wouldn't have that rule. And you want to ask yourself, what is the conviction that I have, and why is it? Now, some of the convictions come from the Bible. I mean, uh, helping clean up after dinner by everybody taking something off the table, maybe not in the Bible, and that's a conviction that you have in your family that we're all going to work as a team. And that's valuable. That's important. But there are a lot of convictions that we get straight out of God's Word. So whether they come out of God's Word or they come out of a, a home that's trying to honor God, uh, both of those things we want to talk about the convictions behind the rules. Mm. When he walks into your house, in, into your, uh, over your threshold, there's a way that you live that's different. You may, in your home, you know, you might say, we don't eat junk food and we make our beds and we have a bedtime. Uh, and so we don't, eat, we don't use foul language. But those things may be prevalent at another person's home and, uh, you know, when the child goes to the other place. So we're saying, let me explain to you why we live the way we live. Now, that doesn't mean your child is going to accept that immediately. But you, your child is going to see that mom lives a particular way that's different than dad. And if you're a dad listening to this, you want to do the same thing. The child's going to see that um, my dad lives differently. And that child's going to make a choice, whether he's 11 or 15 or wherever he is at this stage. At some point, he's going to make a choice as to the values he's going to choose. So your young man is 11 years old. And uh, what that tells me is that, um, is that he's almost into this stage of adolescence that He's going to be making some choices. And so right now you're wrestling with some really important issues about music. And Zoe, it sounded to me like you said you've solved this problem or you've, you've come to resolution. I'm curious. I think people would like to know, how did you solve it? What did you do to help your son address this issue of hip-hop music that is ungodly? Um, well, what I did was um, I explained to him the situation. I actually showed him a video on YouTube that, proved that these were satanic symbolisms and everything. And I told him, you don't have to cut it out completely because we were doing an assignment and, uh, and he was saying that he doesn't listen to the rap music anymore. He just does the instrumentals. 
And I told him, well, you don't have to totally give it up. I did research myself, and I found hip-hop artists um, who were Christian, uh, people like Lecrae, mm-hmm. uh, another guy was called The Truth, and I listened to their music, and it was it was a message. And then um, I also found a, uh, an album called Scripture Snacks by uh, Becca Shea, and it's pop music, like young girls would like. And it was like she was singing scriptures, but like, and it sounded similar to the to the tunes, not exactly similar to the beats and tunes, but they were upbeat and they sounded like pop music. And, you know, and the hip hop was like, they have like this clap thing in the songs and it had that and it has everything that the mainstream music has, except it's uh, honoring God and, you know, and teaching lessons and uh, self-confidence and stuff like that. And it sounded really fun and he liked some of it and I really enjoyed the pop music, you know? Yeah. So, I mean, when, with this issue with Zoe, um, you know, she, she was able to talk through some stuff with her son. You had laid out this idea of rules of versus convictions. And you touched on this idea that, you know, she's, you know, going into this really important season with her son as he's 11. I have an 11 year old, you know, that that's just such a, a key age. I, I love this principle of develop, helping them develop convictions and not just being aware of the rules because it is going to give them more of a, um, ability to be self-directed even when uh, Zoe's son steps out of the home. Yeah, I agree. See, I I think that's exactly what you're trying to do. You're trying to help kids, young people. These are young people. These are pre-adolescents and adolescents wrestle with values. How are they going to wrestle with values? We, we can show them news articles. We can talk to them about things because they're trying to understand life. And God, they're in that God-given stage of developing their own convictions and values. And some of them may disagree with parents at, at points, and that's why it's important to be wrestling. Kids need to know why you believe what you believe. So it's not just about laying down the law and having rules, but it's about doing something more than that. If you're talking with this 11-year-old, what kind of... Um you know, you, you talk about helping them just envision their future and uh, visioning a direction that they want to go in. What what would you be talking to this 11-year-old about? So if I were working with 11-year-old, I, I'd want to ask him questions, find out more about him. What do you want? What's what do you think God wants you to do in your life? And if he tells me, I don't know, or maybe he'll say, I want to be a fireman. I want to go into the army or whatever he tells me. I want to say, okay, let's talk about what God has for you. You want to the most important thing you can do is protect your heart. Let me tell you a story. There's a story about a rich young ruler who he was rich, he was young, and he had power. He was a ruler. But one thing he lacked, he didn't have Jesus in his heart. Oh, let me tell you about Solomon, the wisest man that ever lived. But do you know that he, his heart was led astray? And when his heart was led astray to serve other gods, bad things happened. He, the most important thing was his relationship with God. Oh, there was a religious guy named Nicodemus, very religious. But he came to Jesus at night because something was missing. And I want you to know that music is only, it may look like it's separate from your spirituality, but I want to help you understand how God can work in your life. I would say to him, does God speak to you? First I ask him, are you a Christian? And most kids I work with say yes. And then I say, um, does God speak to you? And uh, often most kids will say, Christian kids will say no, because they think audible voice. And I say, you know, I want you to know God does speak to you. He speaks to you through his word. He speaks to you in your conscience. He speaks to you through the Holy Spirit inside your heart. And when he does, good things happen. It changes who you are. So you want to allow God to do that work in some powerful and significant ways. Well, Zoe, we appreciate you calling in and for sharing your personal story. I'm glad that you you feel like you've got 
a, a sense of, of resolution in terms of this particular incident with your son. And man, you do have such an important influence in his life. So thank you so much for being a part of the show today. Dad, you know, you have a number of different resources that are available. Uh, your website is biblicalparenting.org. Um, as you work with single parents around the country, what are some of the resources that you recommend? We have a book we call the Honor Book, but its real title is Say Goodbye to Whining, Complaining, and Bad Attitudes in You and Your Kids. Now, every chapter in that book contains a story or illustration for single parents. The reason for that is because this book about honor, the biblical concept of honor, that's what the whole book is about, is something that every family needs, but particularly single and blended families need this truth because it's teaching your family how to work together as a team. So now we might just have a son and a mom or, or two kids and a mom or, or dad uh, is working with his three kids. That may be the family for them. But they're learning how to work together by developing and working on this concept of honor. So that book, Say Goodbye to Whining, Complaining, and Bad Attitudes in You and Your Kids, is, is an excellent tool for families that are single parents. It is. I've read it. It lays down a lot of great principles that can be implemented and, uh, you know, if you're, if you're a single parent, you don't have to feel like you're, you're handicapped from accomplishing what God wants to accomplish through you in your kids' lives. Um, you have just great influence within them. So, wow, this is, this is fun. It's great to take these calls. You know, if you want to be a part of the show and you're listening right now, um, sometimes we have themes for our shows. Other, uh, you know, in, in future broadcasts, what we'd like to do is just kind of throw it out there and, and take a bunch of different calls about different topics. We actually have a form that you can fill out. You can go to parentinglifepodcast.com to uh, participate in the show. We're always looking for callers, um, and uh, if you fill that form out, we'll call you back or email you back and schedule a time for you to be uh, a part of the show and uh, yeah, we'd love to have you on there. As we're getting started too, and, and just launching this podcast, we'd appreciate you if you'd leave us a review on iTunes. That helps us in our ranking on the iTunes podcast store. You know, the first show that we launched, we were in the top 50 um, for about a week, which was really exciting. And so it would be helpful to us if you're listening to this and if you have a chance to leave us a review, we'd really appreciate that. Uh, again, that's in the, in the iTunes store. And share this podcast with your friends as we're just launching out here. We want to get the word out and get more people involved. And uh, yep, we'd love to, love to encourage people in that way. Any final thoughts, Dad, before we go? No, I just think that this whole area of parenting is really hard. It's not an easy thing. People have questions. I think there's a way to approach this that can really help parents uh, streamline this uh, better. So I would encourage people to hang in there. Subscribe to the podcast. Uh, listen to the various things we're going to talk about, because even though we're talking about other people's problems, they all relate. We're tying them back to problems that everyone can identify with. Awesome. Thanks again, Dad, for being with us and for our callers. It's great to be with you. And until the next episode, we'll talk to you soon.